Welcome to Baby Steps, a podcast series brought to you by Janaya, intended for healthcare professionals. I'm Dr Sam Hay, and in this podcast series, we're talking about how best to support your patients who might be struggling to have a baby. Problems conceiving can unleash a roller coaster of emotions, worry, sadness, distress and anger. It can place enormous stress on patients and strain on their relationships. From counselling sessions to coping strategies, today's episode, The Emotional Impact of Infertility, focuses on what GPs can do to support the emotional well-being of patients. With me is one of Janae's counsellors, Orla Scheel, and Amy Scott, a fertility nurse with Janae. Welcome, ladies. Orla, can I start with you? Can you tell us about your role at Janae? My role at Janae is I'm a fertility counsellor within the Janae counselling team. So the counselling team's role is to support patients before, during and post-treatment. And we work as part of a multidisciplinary team of nurses, doctors, embryologists, donor coordinators and the general Janae um, team. And our role is about supporting the well-being of patients. And it's quite a diverse role because we're offering counselling within the treatment um, support for couples, individuals, same-sex couples. And we do so in not only the fertility treatment process, but with genetic counselling, donor counselling support for donor banks and known donors, and also surrogacy counselling support. And um, in my role at Janae, I work both at the Kent Street office in the city and the Liverpool Clinic. And my background is in couple and family therapy and with a grief and loss specialisation. And I absolutely love my role at Janae. I I bet. Then would all patients expect to see a counsellor at the very beginning and and then through their journey or, or only if they request it? Um, All patients are not expected to, but we do welcome them to, and it is part of their treatment experience at Janea, and um, fertility treatment is quite anxiety-provoking. Absolutely. Um, And counselling provides a space to be supported, so we always say, you're welcome, please come and talk to us, and um, people can access that support at any time. And why do you feel it's such an important part of the, the whole process? Well, I'm biased because I really believe in counselling and um, I really feel it's important for people to be normalised in their experience. So, as I said, fertility treatment is anxiety provoking. So for some people, for some people, they feel um, vulnerable, they feel scared, they feel uh, challenged and they feel sometimes embarrassed for feeling that way or that they're not coping. So it's, it's counselling is a place to be normalised in that experience, to challenge those unhelpful thought processes, to allow patients to externalise their issues. So to get them out of their head, lessen the load and um, be facilitated in coping. You mentioned before that the counselling is available to patients at any step along the way. But when do you find that they typically do access your counselling? Depends on the individual. So um, some people have the self-agency to access support from the very start and are really prepared and say, I want to attend counselling as part of my experience. Um, Others wait until they're really being challenged and um, come very hurt and upset. Um, But what we say to patients is come talk to us at any point. Look at us, the counselling team, as part of your supportive experience at Janea. And I can't say it enough to patients. um, You don't need to be struggling. You don't need to be really 
you know, finding it really tough and isolating, come and talk to us. Even if you don't know what you want to talk about, we can help you with that. We can figure that together. Um, the fertility experience can be very isolating and lonely for some people. And we're here uh, to comfort patients in that. And what's really good is if patients connect with us, there's that thread of connection. So they don't always have to come for a counselling session. They can, we can email them, we can follow them up with a support call or a video link. And just knowing they have that support, patients often reflect back that that can be really helpful to know that the counselling team's at their back. And do you have specific, uh, I guess, programmes or strategies that you can employ for the patients? We run a, a group called Mind Your Own Body, which is a five-week program a couple of times a year. And right now with COVID restrictions, we're running that online for yeah. three consecutive weeks. And this is about connecting women in a group forum to be supported, uh, to learn new coping strategies and in their treatment experience. And that's invaluable. Why have you found a group setting works? Fertility treatment can be a very private experience. So not a lot of people communicate that they're... Um, going through IVF treatment or fertility treatment. So they can feel quite isolated. To offer group experience allows other women to connect with each other. Yes, their individual experiences can be quite different, but their challenges, um, they can relate to each other in those challenges, in those strengths. And also it offers a a normalisation of their experience that I'm not the only one going through this. And are there other strategies that you have? So another strategy can be in the two-week wait, which is a really challenging time for patients as they wait for their pregnancy test outcome. There's not a lot to do in that time and patients can become very focused on their body, hypervigilant for symptoms of pregnancy um, and constantly be checking and worrying. And, you know, the treatment has ceased at that point. They're in the waiting period. So what we do is encourage patients to connect with us Um, to access counselling support at that time, which can be really supportive. But also we have a two-week wait coping uh, strategy programme where patients can uh, volunteer to be part of that and be supported in that time. Now, what about the blokes? You know, a lot of the time there will be a bloke in the mix. Um, Do you find that they tend to cope with these issues differently? Absolutely. So without generalising... Men, in our experience, do tend to cope differently. They can feel vulnerable and overwhelmed, just as women do as well, but they can behave differently in that vulnerability and overwhelm. They can often feel grief-stricken if the infertility issue affects them personally. And also their grief for their partner and as a couple, watching their partner go through fertility treatment can be really challenging. They can feel out of control and helpless they might have feelings of wanting to fix things and they can't. So that again, that compounds that helplessness. They may feel grief and different, difficult emotions differently to their partner and that can cause conflict and misunderstandings in a relationship, especially if their partner feels that they're not feeling anything. You know, how come I'm feeling all this and he isn't? But he might be, but he's actually experiencing it differently and behaving in a way that may not look like he's hurting. And I suppose what we would say is when men do come to us for support, and particularly as a couple, it can be incredible experience to see them lean into support and um, access their own coping strategies and strengths. And it's an opportunity for men to express what they feel. 
what they might be afraid to say at home, if yeah. especially if they're walking on eggshells mm. and not sure what to say. We can help facilitate that discussion. We can help do that in a safe environment where it's actually okay to be not sure what to say, but what would you think you'd like to say? What, yeah. what it is, is it you're feeling? And to support them to normalise that experience can be really valuable. As GPs, you know, we're often looking after blokes where there might be a lot of male factors that are associated with their fertility. Do you have any tips for us as GPs for looking after them? To normalise it, you know, to normalise that experience that it's not a sign of weakness but of strength to just to have those frank discussions, to be empathic to their vulnerability and their sadness around their own infertility um, and to explain to them that they can access support and it's it's okay to do so. Um, and to normalise their emotions and responses if they're yeah. feeling angry or frustrated or really hard on themselves yeah. and feel like a failure, that actually that's a normal response to how they're feeling. Because that, that fertility is very much linked to uh, this sense of male masculinity, macho-ness. Yeah, and just to even say that is, is really powerful. Even to say, yeah. you know, that's a normal, primal feeling. And um, of course you're being challenged in this. And of course you feel sad that you wish your sperm was of better quality yeah. or you wish you had sperm and you don't, how hard is that to negotiate and, and manage? So that's really important to name it when other people don't want to talk about it or don't know what to say. Their mates may not be able to yeah. even have that discussion, but to also encourage them to talk to their friends, to start having those difficult conversations, even if it's awkward, um, it's okay to talk about it. And are there other resources out there available for GPs to help support their patients? Absolutely. So I guess looking at Janea as important to connect with us and look at us as a referral option as well. Um, and that we in Janea Counselling have referral pathways that we recommend to patients um, external to our support. Um, so GPs are more than welcome to connect with us to link into what might be helpful for their patient. But there are also other organisations online and um, available face-to-face. -face. There's Red Nose, uh, Pink Elephant. There's an organisation called Together We Wait, the Gidget Foundation, Relationships Australia, and lots of social media platforms. Um, but also Jenea has what's called the Fertility Collective at the moment, which contains the latest information for treatment, particularly right now with COVID. Um, as we recover, rebuild and plan for a future post-COVID, we have a lot of resources such as uh, a blog, articles, um, well-being suggestions. So that's a really good place to act for GPs and to direct patients to access support as well. And if I had a patient who was linked in with Jenea, could I call up and speak to one of the counsellors if I had a particular concern to, to help pass that information on? I would love that. That is key. It really is. So that to look at, we're all part of a team together. We're part of the patient support system together. So that's really important. And it also helps us to um, understand the patient coming through as well in what they might need. So absolutely, that channel of support is really key and communication. So to wrap up, Orla, what do you think is the key piece of advice that you give to a GP about counselling their patients who are struggling with the fertility journey? There are a few key pieces. Um, one of them that I think is crucial is the value of the GP's relationship 
Um, so your relationship with your patient to this point in their fertility journey and beyond. So you're there for them for continued support, yeah. particularly if they're successful in creating a family and also if they're not successful, you know, you're there for them. And we're often looking at the, the full bigger picture, aren't we? All of the other primary healthcare issues. Absolutely, yeah. And linking them into those. So having empathy to really hear their experience, acknowledge what they've been through and encourage them to access support. Um, and trusting that relationship. Um, patients often tell me how their GP's words of support really helped them to proceed with treatment or if they felt like not not trying one more cycle or weren't sure what to do next, the GP's words of support really helped them um, get that energy to keep going. Um, and don't underestimate the power of your listening ear and your compassionate words, compassionate words of reassurance and encouragement. Um, I think that's really key that I know GPs are time limited, but in that time, your words mean everything and to be understood is really important. So we've also got Amy Scott online with us today and she's a fertility nurse. Amy, I'm wondering what a normal, typical day looks like for you. Hi, Sam. Yeah, thank you. Um, our day starts pretty early, really. We um, start a morning clinic from 7 a.m., uh, in the city. So we have patients um, arriving from seven for their blood tests, their ultrasound scans. They come and see the um, pharmacy to collect their medications and obviously um, also the nurses. So um, as the nurses, we're doing medication demonstrations, showing them how to use their subcutaneous injections that they've collected, talking them through any questions or concerns they've got. Um, Normally, that's around kind of symptoms of medications or their scan results um, or their ongoing plan, what they're what they're going to be doing next and um, how the cycle is going to look, really. So right. that's how our day starts. So then we come back to our desks and um, our first priority of the day is to call the pregnancy test patients. So regardless of the result, obviously, they want to hear that as soon as they possibly can. They've just done that horrible two-week wait. So yeah. um, it's really important for us to to try and get that um, information to them quickly. We're turning blood tests around within a couple of hours. So normally we have those results for patients by 9.30, 10 o'clock at the latest, depending on when they attended morning clinic. And then, um, yeah, delivering those results is, is our number one priority. That must be a bit of an back. emotional roller coaster. Some good news and some frustrating news. Oh, it's it certainly is. I think um, we're very lucky that we have very good relationships with our patients and we often know them very well. So there's a huge amount of um, us kind of hanging on for those results as well. And there's, yeah. there's always a bit of a team cheer when we, you know, we've got a patient that has has had a, a positive pregnancy test and we've all kind of been rooting for for a while um and the same with with the negatives obviously it's it's kind of really hard for the team sometimes when those results come through and it's a patient that we've we've been looking after right. for a while so um yeah there's definitely would a patient or a couple mm. expect to see and speak to you every time there's, there's normally about two or three nurses that they speak to so um, we're spread out, obviously, throughout the day. So um, we have early shifts, morning um, starting at 7, and then uh, normal shifts coming in at 8.30, and then we've got a late um, shift that starts at 10 so that we can see patients in the evening. Yeah. Um, so, so there's probably two or three nurses that they'd speak to. Um, the next part of our day is meeting those patients face-to-face, -face, those brand-new patients. So we have patient interviews. 
And we do try and keep um, the same nurses speaking to the same patients for that continuity. Um, I think that's really important for patients to be able to build that relationship with a nurse. Um, and for the nurse, it's it's a very, you know, much more satisfying for them to know the patient. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's I think it's really important on both sides. Um, so, yeah, they normally speak to two or three nurses within the team and get to know that small team of nurses okay. pretty well. Um so, yeah, after we've done our um, initial patient calls, we meet our new patients. So they're patients um, who've never done any fertility treatment before. Um, they may have already had quite a lot of um, treatments in the kind of community with their GPs, um, letrozole or Clomid cycles, but um, haven't haven't ventured down the IVF route yet. So we um, talk them through what their fertility specialist has prescribed um, from the medications to the egg collections to um, everything, the embryo development afterwards. And then um, our afternoon is talking to fertility specialists um, about patients' next steps and then relaying that information to patients. Sometimes we go up and visit patients after their egg collections. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's contacting patients for kind of TLC calls. So anyone in that two-week wait, we try and touch base with. Um, or patients that have had recent negative pregnancy tests, we always try and follow up um, just to let them know that we're here and thinking about them and see if there's anything that we can do to support them. And that's our day. <laughs> Very busy. It's busy, but yeah, it's, it's a good day. And it's obviously a very specialised role. What have you found to be the most rewarding aspects of it? I think building those relationships is is one of the most rewarding. Um, I think our patients come to us sometimes in a very vulnerable state and being able to support them through this journey um, and obviously see the see the positives but also be there as a support when, when the negatives occur. Um, you know, positive pregnancy tests and babies are always wonderful but for a patient sometimes to leave this journey um, feeling supported and strong and knowing that they did everything they could is is sometimes equally as rewarding. Um, yeah, I think I think there's highs and lows. Obviously, delivering bad news is not fun. Yeah. But certainly for me, um, yeah, creating those that continuity and and getting to know patients and their stories and their scenarios and their situations and supporting them through that is is the most rewarding for sure. And what challenges you the most? Definitely delivering um, bad news to patients that have, have had a hard time um, again and again and, um, you know, seeing seeing people's lives kind of unravel a bit, yeah. um, especially because this is sometimes such a private area and just feeling desperately sad that they don't have support other than us, really. You know, they haven't shared it with their family or their friends and... Um, you can definitely feel that sometimes they're kind of hanging on to conversations with you on the phone because they don't have anyone else to talk to this about. And mm. I think that's one of the hardest um, parts of this journey is it's just not talked about enough with, with loved ones yeah. and um, they don't have that support outside of, outside of Jenea. That's right. As the nursing team, do you have some specific strategies at Jenea that you use to support patients through their fertility journey? Yeah, so we um, try, as I said before, and have these smaller pods so that patients aren't talking to a different nurse each time. So by kind of finding our um, group of patients, um, we even though we're working within that small pod, there might be a patient that you've spoken, you did, you know, you spoke to them at their initial consultation. 
you spoke to them at their first pregnancy test result. Um, you've seen them in morning clinics, so you'll naturally um, speak to that patient more regularly. You can say, oh, that patient I need to call, or we do have those kind of small communications within the team that we kind of follow up on our own patients as much as we can. Um, and I do think that being a constant and being available to the patient is the most um, important thing for them. So trying to keep our phone lines as free as we can, uh, replying to emails as quickly as possible, being able to be available for them when they need us is the most important thing. We have um, an emergency mobile phone that the nurses carry every night from 5pm till 7am. Um, so when the clinic's closed, basically. Um, and that means that patients with symptoms that they're unsure of or um, bleeding in early pregnancy or anything like that, they can call us um, and we can talk them through what to do. Um, if we're concerned, we can call the fertility specialist. Um, and then we have links with RPA. So patients that we're really concerned about, we can send to RPA for assessment. That's incredible access. Yeah. Yeah, it's really amazing. Must make a, a massive amount of difference for, for patients and reassurance that they can they can reach out at any point. Yeah, so that 24-7 um, they can call us and that's 365 days a year. So um, one poor nurse gets that phone over Christmas, but that's <laughs> um, shared around. Um, so, yeah, no, it is it is amazing. Um, and, and I think, yeah, we, we are a really good team. Um, a lot of the nurses have been with the company for you know, 15, 16, 17 years. So they're an incredible resource um, to even the, the newer nurses, um, font, you know, fountains of knowledge um, to, to be, and they've, they've seen almost every scenario. So um, there is a, it's a fantastic team, yeah. So Amy, I was wondering, do you have any advice or insights to GPs who are managing patients through this fertility journey? I guess my only piece of advice would be um, when meeting a couple for the first time with infertility issues would be to um, really acknowledge that they already may have been on quite a journey together um, at home. Yeah. I think I think most couples probably wouldn't um, approach a GP until they've they've had a few months of trying on their own. And I think even just a few months of not being successful in achieving a pregnancy can be really, really hard yeah. on both parties. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that, that would be my only advice is just acknowledging that um, this has been tough already and, and being as supportive as you possibly can. Um, you know, the emotional side of things is, is equally as, as important as the, the physical and um and the you know medical side of it all. So yeah, I think just acknowledging that. Great, incredibly important for us as GPs out there to remember. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for today's episode of Baby Steps. I want to thank Orla Shield and Amy Scott for sharing their insights and experiences. If you'd like more information about Jenea, you can visit our website, www.jenea.com forward slash HCP where you can find a specialist for patient referrals and download resource kits and fact sheets. Or you can also call 1300 511 402 and speak to a Jenea representative. So thanks for listening to Baby Steps and stay tuned for the next episode called Diverse Patients, One Goal. We will be discussing what cutting-edge IVF technology can mean for success rates and patient experiences. So we'll see you then.